This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. It's that time again for Bible study. And we're here to give you a little bit more in-depth teaching, more than we do on, say, a Sunday morning, because this is where we're going to take you deeper into discipleship. And I know some of you watch it on Facebook, our church page, which this posts every Wednesday at 4. But some of you, I think most of you now watch on YouTube, our Norco YouTube channel, and some of you download as a podcast, go watch it all week long, whenever you want to watch this. It lasts about 20 minutes, but it's our goal to give you the full counsel of God. Paul said, I didn't stop short. I presented the full gospel. And that's what we're, we're trying to do. And we're currently in Colossians, a New Testament letter written by uh, the man Paul, who hated Christians, murdered Christians, became a Christian. And uh, he writes a lot of our theology in the New Testament. So right now, where we're at in Colossians, we're leaving behind, uh, Paul's been writing about our old uh, pre-Christ behavioral patterns the things that we're leaving behind. And we're going to begin to move towards uh, the new way uh, of thinking and, and, live, and living. But let me read a verse that is very strategic, not in Colossians, but it's found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, the great thing about this verse is it's transitional in our life. And the word new, it means, it's the idea of new in quality, meaning it's something that has never existed before. So, you and I, the moment we were born again and the Spirit of God came to live within us and dwelling in us, there's something new. There's a new person that's never existed before. So, that's why when you became a Christian, people are kind of shocked at this new way of operating, this new way of behaving in your life because they couldn't understand what it was until you shared testimony that Christ was in your life now. But something that didn't exist before now exists. You're a new creature, a new creation. The same way Genesis 1, as God spoke and the Spirit of God came and creates this whole new thing. Same thing happened in you at the moment you're born again. So practically speaking, what's happening to the Christian is we're becoming original human beings. What do I mean by that? Well, can you imagine if we could go back in Genesis chapter 2 and live out a, uh, the time period there for a little bit before the fall of Genesis 3 and see what it was like to be a, an original human being, how you acted, how you thought, how you interacted uh, in relationships. That would be fantastic. How you interacted with God. So, we're going to do that. We're going to take a visit down and see the way God originally intended us to live and how we get there, etc., like that. So, I'm going to begin by saying this. First off, I'm to put off the old me and put on the new me. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Do not lie to one another. We covered that last time. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one, capital O, that's Jesus Christ, who created him. Now, what's going on here? Well, I, I, I think most of us um, put on a change of clothes today. I, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just speculating. But I think most of us did. 
I, I think we kind of take off our dirty clothes at the end of the day, throw them in the hamper, and next day or that night or that morning take a shower and put on new clothes. We, we put on new clothes because the other ones are being washed, et cetera, et cetera. We put off and we put on. Well, the words put on there, guess what? It's a term commonly used for changing clothes. So you take this idea and we're to put off the old self and put on the new guy. You know, Paul conveyed this idea, same idea, same writer. He conveys this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Watch this. A couple, a couple letters before that. In 22 to 24 of Ephesians 4, he says, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you see Paul uh, confirms the Colossians statement with the Ephesians statement or vice versa. The word laid aside the old corruptible guy and put on the new self, the new guy, which is created in righteousness and holiness and in truth. Now, the big question then is, how do I do that? Because you know, and I know, that our old nature, the old person, he's just not going to give up that easy. And every time I think I've conquered that old guy, he tries to sneak around again. He tries to come in through the side door and tries to get me back in old habits. And so sometimes he wins. Sometimes he gets me. And you know that's true of you. I know it's true of me. So how do we? How do we live this conquering life, laying aside the old nature, walking in the new person? Well, Paul gives us what it is. He said in, in, in and that's the second thing. He said, be renewed in truth. Be renewed in truth. I'm going to read Colossians 3.10 again just to confirm what I just stated. He says, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Mm -hmm. now, <clears throat> now, renewed. You know, it doesn't just mean a one-time shot. It means to constantly be renewed. It's ongoing. I have to be constantly renewed in true knowledge. Now notice, not just knowledge, but true knowledge. Did you know there's a difference between knowledge and truth? There's a lot of knowledge out there, but does that mean it's true? No, not necessarily, not at all. It doesn't have to be true at all, but they have knowledge, and there's a lot of things proclaimed as knowledge, but it doesn't mean it's true. The Word of God is true. Now you and I are to be renewed in the truth of the One, Jesus Christ. That kind of truth. Okay, but here's the big deal. In case somebody's watching this and a little, little kind of, I don't know about this. The big question then is this for someone out there. Well, Jim, how do I know the Bible's true? Well, you know, the real question is, can I trust the Bible to be true? Yeah, how can I trust that? Well, there's many ways to approach that that give validity to it, but I'm going to take you just quickly and briefly on a little excursion 
just from the foundational aspect of who Jesus is in the resurrection. I want you to think now. Just think with me. Because I'm, I'm talking about, I'm going to get to the point about why I believe the Bible is true. When it comes to Jesus, um, we're going to talk about the character of the resurrection here. The disciples throughout there were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. They, they speak of what they, they've seen. They're eyewitnesses. They're eyewitnesses to the fact of the resurrection. They saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And what I'm giving you right now is called minimal facts that all scholars, both atheist and believing and, and skeptic New Testament scholars, they agree all these are true, that the atheist scholars do not believe he rose from the dead, but they know people said the tomb was empty and they know that people said they think they saw Jesus. But they don't believe that, but the, of course the biblical scholars do. But they all agree on what I'm going to tell you right now that the disciples were eyewitnesses to what they believed was the resurrected Jesus. Now, we do know that it was the resurrected Jesus. They agreed that Paul was a persecutor of the church. This guy hated Christians. He's a scholar. By the way he writes, they know he's a brilliant man. He's an educated man. And they know that this guy's life did change. They had an encounter with what he believed was the resurrected Jesus Christ. Another minimal fact they all agree on is that Jesus, the half-brother of uh, uh, I mean, sorry, James' half-brother Jesus was just suddenly changed. Guys, there was a moment in time when James thought Jesus was actually insane. Was, he was crazy. And, and so he has this, this turnaround and this change in his life. Another big one in the minimal facts they all agree on is that in all four Gospels, and all Gospels written in different parts around the Mediterranean, um, the testimony of women in all four Gospels let me tell you something about that culture at that time. If you want somebody to believe it's true, you wouldn't want to make women the first testifiers because in that culture, not Bible, but in that culture, they did not regard a woman's testimony as valid whatsoever. So if you're trying to push forth a new gospel, you would never, ever have made the women the first testifiers. Now, another one is, how did this Christianity get off the ground? How in the world did it explode on the scene if the body was still in the tomb? Guys, all you had to do if you wanted to stop the movement, and plenty of religious leaders wanted to stop the movement. All you had to do when the church was beginning that day of Pentecost is go bring the body out of the tomb and parade around and say, the guy's dead. They didn't do that. Why? Because the tomb was empty. And you know, some people say, well, they wouldn't parade it around because it was so decayed you couldn't tell it was him. Sorry. But doctors have already studied this and said, no, in that type of climate, even after 50 days, you could still make out that that was the actual person that was put in there. And, the, the, and Christianity explodes. It explodes when they could have just walked across this little town and said, here's the body. He's dead. He's not resurrected. So these all these minimal facts, and there are others, show that Jesus really did rise from the dead. He was risen. Now, why, why am I taking you down this road? What does that have to do with the Bible being true? Well, if somebody rises from the dead, I, I tend to believe what he says. So what does Jesus say about the Word of God? This resurrected Jesus. Well, let's go to John chapter 17. Watch this. In John 17, this is Jesus. He's going to say something here. And he says in verse 17... He says, um, this is as they're walking from the upper room toward the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he's going to be betrayed. He says, he's speaking to the Father. It's a great prayer. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word 
is truth. Now, Jesus affirms the word of God is true, but let's not stop there, okay? Let's go one gospel to the left, and let's go to Luke uh, chapter 24 and verse 27. And um, it says, Jesus speaking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection says, then beginning with Moses, now that means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the prophets, all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures, all the Old Testament scriptures. He showed where the resurrected Jesus was all about him, all the prophecies. Now, he has now authenticated the entire Old Testament as true. But let's not stop there. Let's go to Matthew, the first gospel, Matthew chapter 12, and, and let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 12, as he's, Jesus is talking about um, Jonah, the Old Testament story of Jonah. In verse 40 of Matthew chapter 12, he says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, first off, did Jesus authenticate the story of Jonah as true? You better believe it. And Jesus is the resurrected God in the flesh. So it's a true story. It's an absolute true story. Now, why am I giving you all this? Because Jesus authenticated another Old Testament story. What's going on here? Well, Jesus is saying this. The Bible is true. And if Jesus, someone like him, rises from the dead and says, this thing is true, I believe it's true. I believe it's true. Now you may say, well, Jim, there's other gospels too. Well, those are written. Do you know those are written in the second century? And they're so filled with hyperbole. They're so ridiculous, some of these statements in there. They were not authenticated by the early church. The early, these writings were all first, first century. Those other gospels that were trying to be snuck in were second century things. And, and, and they do not even line up with this stuff in many cases. So don't go down that road. That's, a, that's an irrelevant argument made by people who don't know. Okay? Now, I'm to renew my mind with the truth of God's Word. I take the truth of God's Word, plus I fellowship, I serve, I give, I worship, I repent, and I put all these things together, and that equals I put on the new person. I put on the new person, the new Jim Doc Campbell, and the new you. <clears throat> now, uh, in Paul's first statement of renewing, watch this. When he says you're renewed, watch where he takes you immediately. It's very interesting. Uh, the new person is part of a new family. This is the first thing he's going to tell you. You're part of a new family. Do you know that? In Colossians 3.11, he says, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Now, those are extreme examples. Let's do right there. Slave and free man. But Christ is all in all. Now, <clears throat> the first step Paul takes us in the renewal is a renewal of family. That in the family of God, there's no distinction between this ethnic group or that ethnic group or this ethnic group at all. Now notice, and I'm going to keep affirming this because the culture has it wrong. God is true, it says, and let every man be a liar. Now, I didn't say races. They keep saying, oh, this race, the Mexican race, the black race, the white. That's just not true statements. Those are lies. There's one race. The Bible teaches one race. 
the human race, we all came from Adam and Eve, or if you want to get further down the, your lineage, you all came from the three sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And by the way, Ham means dark, um, Japheth means light, and Shem means the name. The Jews come from them, Shem, Shemite, Semite, the anti-Semite, you hear those terms, they're the Semitical tribes. And they're medium browns, the Jews are. So in Noah's sons, dark, medium brown, and light, you have one race and you have these different shades of melanin there. So when we come to the family of God, all these different ethnicities, we have one father. We have one God. He's our dad. And we have all these different brothers and sisters in the family of God. And I really think that's the coolest thing, don't you? That's why you'll always hear me say, and I affirmed this when I spoke on July 4th weekend, I said, look, first and foremost, biblically, I'm a citizen of heaven. As a believer, I'm a citizen of heaven. That's my citizenship. Second, I'm an American because I'm an American citizen. That's what I am. Oh no, Jim, you're a Mexican-American. No, I'm an American. An American who just happens to be ethnically Mexican and Spanish. That's what I am, ethnically. But my primary identity is I am a son of God. I belong to a spiritual family with a mixed bag of ethnicities in there. The culture, the world out there, they will not understand it. They never will understand it. It's a fallen world. Their mind isn't renewed, but your mind is. But your mind is. According to the Word of God. According to the Word of God. <laughs> this, is, this is why, and this is, my, this is an opinion, but it's a strong one as I hear all this stuff. You're going to hear journalists and politicians and online podcasters. They just try to separate everybody because you're this race, you're that race, you're this. Sorry, sorry. It's one race. There are a bunch of different ethnicities. And as the kingdom of God, we're part of one family because we're being renewed to a true knowledge that that's my brother and that's my sister over there. Out there, they guess and they guess and they guess and they get it wrong. Don't ever fall for it. Know who you are citizen of heaven, and know you're in a family. Paul says there's no distinction between them. No distinction between the ethnicities. You're in a family of God as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the good stuff right there. Well, I'm going to end right there. We'll pick it up next time. You guys have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.